Our church. Welcome. My name's Felicity, and I'm going to read from the Bible this morning. So just before we do, I'll say a quick prayer. And if you want to start, if you've got a church Bible, you can start to look it up. That's on page 810. But first I'll pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that we're here all gathered this morning together. Lord, I pray that you will just open our eyes and open our hearts, as well as our minds, to this reading and to what Andrew has to say this morning. Lord, I pray that you will challenge us and that no person will go away here the same that they were as they arrived. Just the same. Amen. So from page 810, this is the book of Zephaniah, and we're in chapter 2. This is about the judgment of Judah and Jerusalem. Gather together, gather yourselves together, you shameful nation, before the decree takes effect and that day passes like wind blowing chaff, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. Gaza will be abandoned and Ashkelon left in ruins. At midday, Ashdod will be emptied and Ekron uprooted. Woe to you who live by the sea, you Kerithite people. The word of the Lord is against you, Canaan, land of the Philistines. He says, I will destroy you and none will be left. The land by the sea will become pastures, having wells for shepherds and pens for flocks. That land will belong to the remnant of the people of Judah. They will find pasture. In the evening they will lie down in the houses of Ashkelon. The Lord their God will care for them. He will restore their fortunes. I have heard the insults of Moab and the taunts of the Ammonites who insulted my people and made threats against their land. Therefore, as surely as I live, declares the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, surely Moab will become like Sodom, the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a place of weeds and salt pits, a wasteland forever. The remnant of my people will plunder them. The survivors of my nation will inherit their land. This is what they will get in return for their pride, for insulting and mocking the people of the Lord Almighty. The Lord will be awesome to them when he destroys all the gods of the earth. Distant nations will bow down to him, all of them in their own lands. Yukushites, too, will be slain by my sword. He will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria, leaving Nineveh utterly desolate and dry in the desert. Flocks and herds will lie down there, creatures of every kind. The desert owl and the screech owl will roost on her columns. Their hooting will echo through the windows. Rubble will fill the doorways. The beams of cedar will be exposed. This is the city of revelry that lived in safety. She said to herself, I am the one and there is none beside me. What a ruin she has become, a lair for wild beasts. All who pass by her scoff and shake their fists. Thanks, Felicity. Uh, well, good morning. Uh, I'd like to add my welcome to Paul's. My name's Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at Sino Hill. It'd be great if you can keep uh, Zephaniah chapter 2 open. And uh, in the news sheet you received, there's a sermon outline if you want to follow along. Um, just a kind of full disclosure uh, we've chatted with uh, El Rancho about that particular meal. Um, 
and they've acknowledged uh, that it was substandard and it's not going to happen again. So don't be worried if you're concerned about what the food is going to be like. Um, and also, in full disclosure, I was not one of the dads uh, who took themselves off to McDonald's. Uh, some of them are here. Um, so you can ask them afterwards at morning tea uh, whether they are going to own up to that. Um, but uh, can I just add my, uh, my encouragement? Uh, church camp is great. Uh, it is... Um, uh, I don't think I've ever met someone who's gone on church camp and then regretted the decision later. Maybe they regretted that meal, but uh, not the decision to go on camp. So um, if you're sitting on the fence or if you've got any questions or if money's a problem, uh, come chat with me. Uh, we don't want any reason uh, to get in the way of people being able to go on church camp. We, we, yeah, we do realise that it's a significant investment of time and money uh, to go, uh, but uh, we've done everything we can to keep the costs low. We're starting on Saturday morning rather than Friday night because uh, Friday night's always been a bit of a stress getting there. Um, and so, um, yeah, there's a few different changes we're making. Um, and I met up with the speaker, uh, a guy called Peter Baker, uh, just this week um, to talk through some things. Uh, and he's super excited um, about uh, opening up God's Word uh, with us. Uh, and that's what we're going to do right now through Zephaniah chapter 2. Uh, so will you pray with me as we uh, look at God's Word together? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you... Uh, are not silent, uh, that you speak to us through your word. And Lord, even when there's words that sound hard to our ears, uh, that the words that make us feel uncomfortable, uh, these are still your true and living words for us, your people. And so we pray that we might read them and see the hope that can be found in Jesus. The sure and certain hope, the hope that can be an anchor for our soul. And Lord, we pray that you'll speak to us uh, by your word and your spirit this morning. And we pray all of this in the great name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know if you've realised about our society, but we're increasingly dependent on warning signs. Everywhere you go, there's warnings for things you can and cannot do. Uh, there's this warning sign that appears on the side of a can of pepper spray. Uh, it says, uh, this product may cause irritation to the eyes. Uh, printed on the side of my jar of peanut butter is, my, uh, may contain traces of nuts. Um, I'm certainly hoping my peanut butter has more than traces of nuts. Uh, unfortunately, on Friday, um, I was in Australia uh, at a conference and I, I, I was visiting some family and friends and I was going to visit my brother. But unfortunately, on Friday, uh, he shook hands with the wrong end of a chainsaw. Uh, he didn't pay attention to this sign. Uh, warning signs are everywhere. Don't worry about my brother. He's fine. Uh, he's got all his digits. He's going to be okay. Um, uh, warning signs are everywhere. Some warning signs seem like uh, painfully obvious, right? Uh, but others, uh, they're critical. They're essential that you follow them. They exist to make us aware of real and serious danger. Uh, for the people of God, the book of Zephaniah is a warning sign, a warning sign pointing to the real and serious danger that lies ahead on the day of the Lord's wrath. And last week we saw the day of the Lord's wrath, uh, the day of God's judgment, it's going to be like a dark, dark, destructive storm that comes over all the land. And it's coming because God's people have rejected him. They've gone off to worship other gods. They've become like the nations around them. Uh, they've become complacent. They've thought, we can do whatever we want. God is not going to do a thing. But here in chapter 2, we see that hope remains. Through the dark, dark storm of chapter 1, here at the beginning of chapter 2, the first rays of light begin to appear. 
Hope remains for those who, who pay attention, for those who heed the warning signs. The warning signs, they point us to a path out, an escape route from the danger, from the judgment of God. And as we see here in Zephaniah chapter 2, the way to avoid God's righteous judgment, the way to, ex- uh, to experience his abundant blessing, well, the way is to repent. It's to turn away from sin and turn back to him. Uh, so Zephaniah chapter 2, uh, we'll get stuck into it. Uh, the first thing we see is that the repentant will be sheltered from the Lord's anger. The repentant will be sheltered from the Lord's anger. Look with me at chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Gather together, gather yourselves together, you shameful nation, before the decree takes effect and that day passes like windblown chaff, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you. You get the sense of urgency, don't you? Your time is of the essence here. You see, the prophet urges the people to gather together, gather together before the decree takes place, before the Lord's fierce anger falls, before the day of the Lord's wrath, before this dark and terrible storm. You see, chapter one, it's it's a big flashing red warning light, a warning sign that now is the time to act before it is too late. And they're to gather together and they're to seek three things. Did you see them there? They're to seek three things in verse 3. Verse 3, seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you'll be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. You see, firstly, they're to seek the Lord, which means for these guys, they need to stop worshipping Baal. They need to stop worshipping Moloch. They need to stop bowing down to the stars and created things. They just stop following other gods and stop worshipping things that were made by God and start to seek the Creator, the true and the living God. Seek the Lord. Now, seeking God here, it's more than just kind of an intellectual exercise. It's not kind of think more about God. No, it involves action. I think it begins with prayer. Zephaniah is saying to Judah, get on your knees and call on God. Seek him, plead with him, apologize to him, confess to him and follow through with changed lives. Because the second thing they're to seek is righteousness. That is rather than rebelling against God, they're to pursue a life that pleases him, living the right way, living according to what God says in his word. And for Judah at this stage, that's going to be quite a shift, quite a turnaround. No longer ignoring God. No longer living as though there were no consequences. No longer living as though God didn't exist or that God wasn't going to do anything about it. But now they live the way he wants, live in accordance with his word. They're to live the way of righteousness. They're to seek righteousness. And the third thing is that they're to seek humility. Uh, Humility begins by remembering that for them, remembering their place as, as creatures made by God, remembering their dependence on God for their very existence. Uh, Humility is realizing their brokenness, their wickedness, their pride, and acknowledging that they were wrong. And humility is being honest about who they are, about what they've done. Humility is setting aside their wickedness, setting aside their idolatry, and seeking the Lord, seeking to live His way, seeking to live righteously. And for Judah, this would be quite a turnaround. It's going to require a thing called repentance. 
Now, to repent, uh, it's to stop. Stop heading the direction you're going and, and do a 180 degree and turn around and start heading the other way. They had been seeking other gods and they're to stop. And they're to turn around and seek the Lord. They'd been pursuing wickedness and evil and they're to stop. And they're to turn around and seek righteousness. They were complacent and they were proud. They were convinced because of their privileged position as God's people that they were free to live as they wanted. They, 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 they could live life without consequences. But they're to stop. And they're to turn around and seek humility. To remember their lowly place before God. It is a picture of repentance. A 180 degree turn. It's like doing a U-turn. Uh, like I said, I was in Sydney this week uh, for a conference. It's the first time I've been there. Uh, it's where I grew up, but it's the first time I've been there since October 2019, two and a half years. And a fair bit has changed in those two and a half years, including some of the streets. Uh, I turned into one street. It was a street I'd driven down dozens of times before. Uh, and I'm driving and I'm getting these horrified looks from people around me. And, and there's honking and there's yelling. And I, I've, I've got no idea what's going on until I see a sign a one-way sign, and it's pointing the other direction. Now, at that moment, I had a choice. I could have continued on, pretended like I hadn't seen the sign, uh, like I hadn't heard the warnings, or I could pay attention to the sign, heed the warning, stop, turn around, and head in the right direction. That's a small picture of what it is to repent. Zephaniah chapter 1, it should have read like a massive warning sign. Wrong way. Go back. Extreme danger is ahead. And to avoid it, they must turn around, turn away from their sin, turn away from their rebellion and turn back to God. They need to seek God, seek righteousness, seek humility. And if they repent, if they seek these things, then the second half of verse 3 there, verse 3, second half, then perhaps you'll be sheltered on the day of the Lord. Perhaps God will not give you what you deserve. Perhaps he will show you mercy and grace. You see, for the repentant, God is offering a way to be sheltered from his righteous anger. And this is a contrast to what we see happening to the surrounding nations on the day of the Lord's judgment, which is what we see in the rest of chapter 2. Uh, we see in the rest of chapter 2 that God is going to have victory over his enemies. And we're going to see that the repentant will enjoy God's inheritance. God will have victory over his enemies and the repentant will enjoy God's inheritance. Uh, see, Old Testament Judah, she was encircled by her enemies. There were, there were superpowers bearing down on her. And at the time of Zephaniah, the current world superpower, it was still Assyria, uh, Assyria that had previously just wiped out uh, uh, Judah's brothers uh, in the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, but Judah's got more on her plate than just Assyria. She's surrounded by hostile nations. And, and here, the nations that are, that are uh, kind of represented, are kind of, they represent kind of the north, south, east, and west. They're, they're on display here. Uh, chapter 2, verse 4, begins with the Philistines who were to the west. Verse 4, uh, chapter 2, verse 4, Gaza will be abandoned and Ashkelon left in ruins. At midday, Ashdod will be emptied and Ekron will be uprooted. Woe to you who live by the sea, you Kerithite people. The word of the Lord is against you. Canaan, the land of the Philistines, he says, I will destroy you and none will be left. 
It's God's word to the Philistines, Judah's neighbors to the west. On the day of the Lord, they will be destroyed. There will be no survivors. And then Moab and Ammon, who are in the east, they're next. Uh, jump down to verse 8. Uh, verse 8, God is speaking again. He said, I have heard the insults of Moab and the taunts of the Ammonites, who insulted my people and made threats against their land. Therefore, as surely as I live, declares the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, surely Moab will become like Sodom and the Ammonites like Gomorrah. Uh, If you're familiar with the Bible, you might remember back in Genesis, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, these two cities, uh, two cities that God rained fire upon because of their wickedness, two cities that were completely annihilated. And God is saying to Moab and Ammon, they too will be wiped off the map. And then quickly to the south, Cush, they only get, two, they only get one verse. Uh, Cush is kind of modern-day Egypt. Uh, verse 12, you Cushites will be slain by, too will be slain by my sword. And finally to the north, the biggest and the baddest of them all, the Assyrians. Now have a look at verse 13. Verse 13, he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria. And leaving Nineveh, that's, a, that's the Assyrian capital, leaving Nineveh utterly destroyed Utterly desolate and dry as a desert. Flocks and herds will lie down there. Creatures of every kind, the desert owl and the screech owl, will roost on her columns. Their hooting will echo through the windows. Rubble will fill the doorways. The beams of cedar will be exposed. This is the city of revelry that lived in safety. She said to herself, I am the one, there is none beside me. What a ruin she has become. A lair for wild beasts, all who pass by her scoff and shake their fists. It's the picture of Assyria, the capital of, uh, it's a picture of Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, becoming a ghost town. The animals, the birds, their screeching, their calls will echo through the windows, and they'll echo through the windows because there is no one there. It's completely empty because it has been destroyed. Now, this would have come out as a bit of a surprise at the time. Uh, remember, uh, at the time of Zephaniah, uh, Assyria is the unrivaled, the undisputed superpower of the world. And yet God declares that even them, they will be humiliated. Even they will be destroyed. And if you're wondering, did this ever happen? Did God actually ever do this? Well, it didn't take long. Only a few hundred years later in 401 BC, passes by would not be able to locate the once great city of Nineveh. It was unidentifiable in the desert sands. Such had been its destruction. But here's the picture. North, south, east and west, in all directions, the enemies of God's people would be completely destroyed. And in their place, taking their land as an inheritance, will be Judah, will be the people of God. Well, actually, it's, 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 it's not all the people of God, it says. It's a remnant. It's a remnant who heed the warning and the remnant who repent. You see this repentant remnant. They are the ones who will enjoy God's inheritance. Jump back up to verse 7 with me. Have a look there in verse 7. Verse 7 says, The land will belong to the remnant of the people of Judah. There they will find pasture. Now, this idea of a remnant, this idea of, uh, is referring to a faithful few, uh, the righteous few, 
the righteous few of God's people who will survive the judgment of God we saw poured out in chapter 1. Have you ever heard of a guy called Ron Wayne? I'm kind of hoping you haven't because otherwise this story doesn't really work. Um, Ron Wayne, he was there in 1976 when Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak uh, were setting up Apple. Uh, uh, Steve and Steve invited Ron over to the... Uh, so no, Ron invited Steve and Steve over to his house uh, to kind of help guide them through the process of establishing the company. Uh, Ron was the one who wrote the original partnership agreement between the three of them. Uh, it was the founding document of the Apple Corporation. Uh, for his trouble, uh, they said that he was like the, the, the adult in the room because he was a little bit more experienced and that was his job there, to, to be the adult in the company. Uh, and for his trouble of being the adult in the company, he got 10% of the Apple stock at the time. Uh, but those were the early years and those early months were incredibly stressful. Ron was worried about the mounting debts. Uh, he wasn't hopeful for the future prospects of Apple uh, and so he quit. Uh, he sold his share, his 10% share of Apple, for $800. Despite repeated invitations to return to the company, to, 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 to come back to Apple in the early years, despite repeated uh, advances from Steve and Steve, uh, he didn't want to be involved. He, he, he refused to come back. Which meant that when Ab Apple achieved its success... Uh, when Apple kind of, you know, gained its inheritance, Ron Wayne didn't share in the fortune. Just as a side note, do you know what 10% of Apple is worth these days? $6 billion. And instead, Ron retired to live in a trailer park in Nevada, where he spent the rest of his life collecting stamps and coins and playing the slot machines. It's a bit like what's happening here, but in reverse. Uh, Ron was not part of the faithful remnant, and so he missed out on the inheritance. He didn't trust that Apple would be all that successful, so he missed out on his share of the fortune. But the remnant, the faithful ones, the ones who stick with God to the end, the ones who repent, who seek the Lord, who seek righteousness, who seek humility, well, they will get to enjoy the spoils of God's victory. Come back with the verse, uh, verse 6. The land by the sea will become pastures, having wells for shepherds and pens for flocks. That land will belong to the remnant of the people of Judah. There they will find pasture. In the evening they will lie down in the houses of Ashkelon. The Lord their God will care for them. He will restore their fortunes. An absolutely beautiful picture, isn't it? The Lord their God will care for them. He will restore their fortunes. The repentant remnant, they are the ones who will survive this horrific judgment of God. They are the ones who, who, who can grasp hold of this shaft of light that we see uh, in uh, Zephaniah chapter 2. They will inherit the land. They will be restored again as the people of God. And again at the end of verse 9, uh, the, the second last line of verse 9. The remnant of my people will plunder them. The survivors of my nation will inherit their land. You see, in the end, it's the, re the repentant remnant of Judah. They will enjoy the spoils of God's victory, and it will all come at the expense of God's enemies. 
Now, if you lived in Zephaniah's time and you read chapter 1 in the dark, dark storm that was there, this would have been a bright ray of hope. A bright ray of hope. Can you imagine being one of the people of Judah? You are surrounded by enemies, north, south, east and west. You have the world superpower breathing down your neck. You've just watched them wipe out your brothers in the north and you are next. And here comes the warning and promise of God. One day, guys, judgment is coming. You need to repent. You need to seek God, seek righteousness, seek humility. And if you do, well, then you'll be safe on every side as we've seen. All your enemies will be defeated once and for all. And God's promises, and God promises you will be restored as my people. You will inherit the earth. It's a great promise we have here that appears out of, out of the darkness. It's a great promise that hope remains for God's people. But who is this remnant? You see, Judah was kept safe from Assyria, but it was only a few hundred years later that they'll be conquered by the next superpower, Babylon. And during that time, during that conquest, there was a small remnant who were taken off to captivity. And you can imagine them taking these words of Zephaniah with them off to Babylon and holding out to this, holding on to this hope, this hope that remains. And then when they do get to return to Jerusalem, there are minor revivals, Small moments where the people of God repent and turn back to God, but it never lasts long. There might be the smallest of wins over God's enemies, but nothing even close to what is promised here. And the remnant gets smaller and smaller. Faithful Israel gets smaller and smaller until there was only one. Until there was only one who truly sought the Lord. Until there was only one who truly sought righteousness. Until there was only one who was truly humble and that one is the lord jesus he is the faithful remnant of god's people so for those in the 21st century who those who want to be sheltered from the lord's righteous anger where can we find shelter we can only find it in the faithful remnant we can only find it in jesus You see, Jesus, he has sought the Lord on our behalf. He has sought the righteousness that we could not attain for ourselves. He humbled himself as he bore the wrath of God that we've just read about so that we might be spared. You see, in Christ, we can find shelter from the judgment that is to come. You see, and in Christ, we have victory over all of God's enemies, all the powers and forces and rulers that might separate us from God. They have been defeated by Jesus. They have been defeated by Jesus through his death and his resurrection and his ascension to heaven. God has victory over a hostile world, victory over the devil that seeks to deceive his people, victory over our own sinful nature that rebels against God. If we are in Christ, we share in his victory. Sin and its horrific consequences, they have been defeated. And if we are in Christ, then we inherit God's abundant blessings. Through faith in Jesus, we have the full blessings of God. We are inheritors with Christ, co-heirs with him. We can look forward to a great future with God in his new and perfect and restored creation. And we have the blessing right now of God's spirit indwelling us, being with us right now, being in God's presence at all times, never alone, 
never cut off. We have all of this in Christ through faith in God's faithful remnant, Jesus. But as we wrap up, I want to draw your attention to one little word. One little word there in verse 3. The word is perhaps. Verse 3, seek the Lord, all you humble the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. Now, I don't know about you, but um, if, if, if there's a possibility of kind of burning fire coming down on my head, I, I, I want it a bit more than a perhaps that I'm going to be sheltered from that destruction. Now, it, last week, we, we, there was a horrific destruction. It talked about you know, entrails of the wicked being poured out like dung. I, I'm not sure what my entrails are, but having them poured out like dung doesn't sound pleasant. I want to be more certain than perhaps that perhaps this could be avoided. Well, here is the great news of the gospel. Here is the great news of Jesus. Because of Jesus, that perhaps is now a promise. Because of Jesus, that perhaps is now a promise. We hear these words in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, we have this hope, that is hope for freedom from judgment, hope for access to God, hope for a relationship with God, hope for eternal life, of enjoying His blessing and His presence forever. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. You see, we can have confidence. We can have more confidence than perhaps. We can have confidence that if we seek the Lord in Christ, we'll be sheltered from God's anger. We will share in his victory over his enemies and we'll inherit his blessings. And this is a certain and secure hope. And it is guaranteed because of what God has done for us. Are you more confident than perhaps? I know a lot of us, we seek to follow Jesus and we're, we're just unsure whether at the end of the day things are going to work out for us. We can be tempted to think that we need to pursue an experience or that we need to live uh, a certain way, that we need to do certain rituals. And by doing those things, we're really just trying to give ourselves more assurance. But hear these comforting words. From Hebrews. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. If you trust and follow Jesus, you don't need to live in the world of perhaps, but you can live in the world of a promise. A promise that is secured by Jesus, our forerunner who has entered already on our behalf. So come seek the Lord. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Come to Jesus, who has done it all for us, so that you can have this hope too. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we um, are humbled by these words which speak so clearly of your righteous anger and judgment on your people and on the nations. We thank you for Jesus, the one who has sought you, the one who lived the righteous life that we could not live, 
the one who humbly died in our place, taking our punishment for sin. And Lord, we pray that as we trust in him, that you might fill us with a sure and confident hope. A hope that is firm and secure. That we will be saved. That we will be sheltered on the day of your anger and of your judgment. And that we might experience the, the promised blessings of your people. And we pray all these things in the great name of Jesus. Amen.